Welcome back to another strange summer edition of Porson Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the finally it's here in between. <laughs> uh, I am, as always, one of your hosts, John, and I'm, as always, I am joined by my hetero life mate, Anthony. What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on, dude? <laughs> Flabbergasted. It's finally here. I'm like all about it. I'm ready. Honestly, dude, it feels surreal. Yes, so if you the, haven't figured it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Stranger Things 3 is out now. We are recording at a very uncaffeinated hour on a Sunday morning after 4th of July. And uh, it's out. I've seen all of it now. I mean, we're going to talk about a very small number of episodes uh, to kind of spread things out and give it its due time rather than recording a four-hour episode. Um, <laughs> and plus, Anthony is also attempting to try to savor some of it. Which I can, on one hand, commend, and the other hand, be, uh, condemn, <laughs> uh, being on the other side of that coin. So, um, less time I have to wait for season four <laughs> by a little. But either way, uh, let's start it off and hop into some news. All right, well, so I've been watching the new Jordan Peele-produced Twilight Zone, and I got a little bit more into it last night, and there, dude, there are some heavy-hitting episodes in there. It's been a little bit hit-and-miss for me, but for the most part, I'm into it, and so the news for that is that there is going to be a Season 2. So CBS All Access has pushed forward a Season 2. They haven't given an update to how many episodes or what that's going to look like, but it definitely is happening, so that's tight. I need to sit down and actually like binge through some of it and watch a few episodes because it definitely doesn't have that same like tinge as it does uh, with Black Mirror where you need where you need some downtime. Like you can watch Twilight Zone episodes and some of the messages are positive, some of them are negative, some of them are are just in between. So it doesn't have that same depressing quality in most of most cases. There is a BBC slash Netflix series that's coming out that's had some test images released. Uh, around Dracula, and it's actually being produced and created by Stephen Moffat of Doctor Who and all of the other things that he's done in his career. Uh, Sherlock, I think he was part of that process as well. Uh, but he's most well known for bringing Doctor Who back to life after you know, like what twenty years of of death. <laughs> and uh, that series is very highly regarded in. Uh, the sci-fi community, I know that he's not involved with it anymore, but I mean, he had a long run. I mean, I want to say it was close to 10 years of making content for that show. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what he comes up with and if it's a new take. I know that they are basing it off of off of Stoker, so we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, I mean, other than that, there really isn't a whole lot of news. I know that there are a lot of movies that are dropping at this moment in time. So things like uh, Midsummer or Midsommar or whatever the directors are wanting you to call it. Things like that are dropping now. So, I mean, we're going to see a bunch of stuff coming out. And part of what we're going to do to change the format up a little bit, uh, we're still going to continue to give you all of the same content that you know and love. News, trivia, watch list, and then give you something for the meat. But we're going to break it up a little bit rather than having just the one subject we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a break so that way we can talk about the episodes a little more fully but also give you a full runtime episode so we'll um, be talking about annabelle comes home today after we do the trivia section uh, and then after that we'll go ahead and jump into those those first two stranger things episodes and then so you'll get similar formatting for the rest of uh the rest of the summer pretty much so expect that our watch list will usually have two episodes of Stranger Things <laughs> <laughs> and a movie to talk about as well. Yeah, so on that note, like John said, we're going to do Annabelle Comes Home today. So if you haven't seen that, now would be a good time for a spoiler warning. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the first two episodes of Stranger Things 3, then now would be a good time for a spoiler warning for that. So you're warned. Because we're going to get into it, See, and we're, we're not going to hold back. You're warned early, but first, let's get to that trivia. Let's get to that trivia. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. 
the first category is going to be movies. John, here's your question. In what 1987 <laughs> comedy does Elizabeth Shue learn that watching a group of kids can be much more dangerous than she expected? Is it the Babysitter's Club? Oh, so close. It is Adventures in Babysitting. All right, all right, all right. Classic. So yours is what actor who played George Henderson and Harry and the Hendersons also played a character named Emilio Lizardo in another movie? John Lithgow. It is John Lithgow. Tight. Let's move on to the next category, which is TV. Here is your second question, John. During the run of their show at the movies... What phrase did Siskel and Ebert use when they both liked the movie? Siskel and Ebert give it two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just two thumbs up? You're right. But that's the the full free full phrase. That was a toughie, bud. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Didn't like totally grow up on that. I know, right? All right. Jeez. This one might be a little more difficult than I thought at first first glance. Uh the Golden Girls live in which beachy sunshine state city? I don't even know, dude. I can't even think of anything. It's Miami. Oh. Yeah, Sunshine State is Florida. One one, baby. That's right. As we move into music, who are Dexie's Midnight Runners referring to when they say, at this moment, you mean everything? I don't know. They're significant others. <laughs> Ready for the groan? Yeah. Eileen from Come On, Eileen. Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Was one of the top songs from 1982. Which song about dancing is by Men Without Hats? Dance Hall Days, Safety Dance, or Dancing Queen? Uh, I'll say Safety Dance. It is Safety Dance. Okay. S S S S A. What's that score now? 2-1? Yep. Cool. As we move into famous people and events, what tennis bad boy shouted the memorable words, you cannot be serious Mac- at the Empire during the 1981 men's single final at Wimbledon. It's McEnroe. It is. Uh, John McEnroe. Uh, what professional U.S. sports league welcomed players from the Soviet Union for the first time in 1989? Hockey. I'm going to need the whole league name. The, uh, the NHL? Yeah, NHL is fine. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's the National Hockey League. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the trends, the tech, and the fun. Trends, tech, and fun. Super broad category. Oh, yes. In 1983, were 700,000 copies of music records, video game cartridges, or disco balls buried in New Mexico? (laughs) It's video game cartridges. It was E.T. All right. Uh, What is a D20 in Dungeons & Dragons? That's a uh, Demigorgon 20. (laughs) It's old. (laughs) That's how old, that's how old he is. <laughs> is that your answer? Yeah. <laughs> a D20 is a die. Oh. It's a 20-sided die. Well, there you go. That shows you how much I know about Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> we tied? We're tied up. All right. 3-3. Three, 3-3 three. Three, three as we move into the most appropriate category for the episode, which is the Stranger Things category. Coincidentally, when the boys play Dungeons & Dragons in Season 1, who is Dungeon Master? That would be Mike. That is Mike. Nice. All right. For so the he, lead. So here's the one. I mean, so here's the one uh, to find out if we're kissing our sister today. This is for the tie game. How many season one episodes does Barb appear in alive? Three, five, or seven? Three. Three is correct. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we so we tied up. Womp womp. We both did pretty well. I mean, there were a couple questions we probably should have gotten right, and he also just caught the card I threw to him in midair. Impressive. Nice. Nothing wrong with the tie game. I think we both did pretty well. It's probably one of our better cards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, four and four is not bad at all. All right, so if you enjoyed uh, that, that mind-boggling trivia and that very small amount of breaking news, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't ever miss out on a thing. And while you're at it, Check us out on PodCoin. Uh, PodCoin is an app that you can download on iOS and Android, and it's available for everyone and with every podcast you could possibly imagine, and you get paid to listen while you're doing it. Uh, So you get coins based on the amount of time that you listen, plus there are also bonus podcasts where you get additional coins, like our show. And if you use our code, uh, Porcelain, uh, you'll get 300 free coins for starting, and you can use that towards... Uh, donating to charity, Amazon gift cards, Target, 
Starbucks, all kinds of different things. They're constantly updating that list. Uh, but it's definitely worth checking it out. Like I said, it's it doesn't really change anything about your listening experience. You just click on the podcast you want to listen to, click on the episode you want to listen to, and you're already in it. Boom. And that's how you exclusively listen to podcasts, is that right? Yeah. At this point, like I said, I've I've completely ditched any other way of listening to podcasts. It's I mean, if you're gonna listen to a show, why not get paid for it, right? Right. And I would if I listened to podcasts, but I hate podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> So check it out. Again, that's PodCoin, and our code is Porcelain. So um, we've gone through our apps. We've gone through our starters. Let's hop into uh, the first course of the actual entree here. Uh, So we're going to talk about Annabelle Comes Home. And so this entree in particular, in my personal opinion, uh, came out cold and and undercooked. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was full of melatonin. (laughs) Because my ass went right to sleep. Yeah, it, there's a lot to say about this movie. Like, there are some some cool things. I do like that rather than it being just about Annabelle, that it was kind of a vehicle for other cool, f- like, folklore shit. But but that, for me, that detracted away because it's not really an Annabelle movie at that yeah. point, right? It's like, can we make a new spinoff? Well, they they definitely decided that of all of the properties that are coming off of the Conjuring franchise, that Annabelle is the most bankable. And that's because they made a pretty garbage movie with the first Annabelle film, and it still filled seats. You know, it still got people to put their butts in seats at theaters, which is what you're looking for. You're trying to make money. That's what they're always after, trying to make that money. And then uh, Annabelle Creation came out. Which I felt like was a sleeper hit. Like I really enjoyed that movie. The first, the first, like I'd say, two thirds felt a little tropey and cookie cutter. But that final third, they did some really cool and original things that I felt like hadn't been either done well or done at all in other movies. And I, I really enjoyed that, especially from not only a sequel but a sequel to a spinoff series of, uh, you know, what's considered to be a modern classic with The Conjuring, and. The fact that they were able to make that happen, like in a like in a middle territory, was impressive, and I was hoping for more of that. And like I said, there were cool things that they did. I loved the way that they created some of those like different folklore creatures. They looked like pretty pretty scary. But it the problem with this movie, I think, is that it just has zero stakes. There's nothing at stake at all. I mean, it's you know. No one is really even harmed, other yeah. than other than a chicken. Nobody dies. There's a chicken. There's a chicken that dies, and that's it. I mean, and it's not even like anybody is like super at risk of dying. Like, I mean, that's another part of the reason why Annabelle creation worked so well is that there were people getting nicks left and left and right, and in like pretty cool ways. Considering I think it was a PG thirteen movie, I don't think it was rated R. Well, and that movie, too, was about Annabelle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was about her ability to kind of call spirits to her, that she acts like a beacon. And they they touch on that. And we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Like, the first scene where the Warrens are trying to take her back to the house and they stop at the cemetery, that scene was probably, like, the best scene in the movie. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. like they And, like, I love... Yeah, it wasn't super over the top, and I love that, like... It put them in a situation where he couldn't see, but she could because she has that kind of spirit medium type of vibe to her. And she and you just show her not panicking. And I love how like like chill under fire she was. Well, I feel like at that part too, you can see it under the surface. Yeah. Right? So she's calm on the outside, but because she has that tension. Uh, for me is acting, you can see that she's kind of freaking out on the inside because <laughs> that is a terrifying situation. Yeah, you know, to see all those ghosts and see your husband surrounded by spirits. Yeah, and and you can see that through her while she's trying to stay calm. So I, I mean, for me, they're the best part of the movie, and they're mm. hardly in it. Yeah, I mean, they're in it for like a nanosecond, and I, I don't feel like it was a problem with the acting performances. Like, I do think that everybody's motivations were somewhat in the right place, and having somebody who like takes a terrible creepy doll that like brings spirits to life and stuff out of a a like exorcism case or whatever you want to call it like the 
create like the glass case that they had her locked in the older like the babysitter's friend i don't remember what her name is uh, but she she had like at least decent motivations i mean she's trying to visit her dad she wants to see if he's still doing okay or like if he blames her and i understand her trying to like like move around throughout the house. I mean, the, the Warrens are, are pretty famous at this point. I mean, and I would say from what it looks like, this is already past the point where they kind of moved from famous to infamous. So that's that's going to be Daniela. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like that too. I like that she had a motivation that she wasn't just, Oh, the Warrens are creepy. Yeah. Let's go fuck with their house. She, yeah. She, I want to go see my dad potentially who's passed away and see if they can help me contact him in any way. Yeah, they were the le- they were the least tropesy part about it, I felt like. And their relationship as friends seemed pretty genuine, like the like the the whole grocery scene where she's like 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 messing with her at the counter trying to get her to like talk to the boy that she likes. Like I thought that that was super real feeling. It it wasn't something that seemed like it was out of left field. That was how people behave, you know, they they do try to get pushy and try to make people get outside of their comfort zones. I mean, that's part of what friendship is. And I felt like that was super well done, but was it interesting though? It, you know, you come into a horror movie expecting scares and I don't feel like it came with many, like it had some jump scares, but I mean, I mean, as people who watch horror movies on a very frequent basis, like jump scares are kind of boring. Right, and at this point, they're predictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know they're coming, and this movie almost told you they were coming yeah. throughout the whole thing where they would cut the music even. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, okay, here it comes, yep. you know, so that they can... Yeah, so they can hit you with a loud sound and then try to get your, like, yeah. knee-jerk reaction from it. And is that is that scary, or is that startling? I I think that it's, a case could be made that it's more more startling, and I think that that's not cool. I mean, it like I said, there are some places where jump scares really work. I mean, like if you look back to The Conjuring, the the clap, it's easily considered one of like the the best utilizations of the jump scare. And I feel like that's part of the problem is that now they've turned a corner and they're like, oh, this worked, so let's just keep doing more of the same. And they don't, like I said, they don't do anything super original. It's like. As soon as they break out any of the things, you know exactly what's going to happen with them. They're like, oh, let's talk about this TV that does creepy shit. I mean, it's been in one of the previous movies. We know exactly what it's going to do, and we know that they're going to use it. The game where you reach your hand in, you know some weird shit's going to happen. Like, you're just waiting for it. And And I will give them credit that they were patient with that one. Like, they had them stick their hands in that stupid game, like, two or three times before they really gave it, like, a purpose. And then all of a sudden it has its own hands and is trying to pull people around and stuff. But like I said, everything just, it was super predictable. And because the stakes were so low, I mean, if they would have like killed off one of those girls, that would have been a little more understandable. Like I think that. And fucked up. I think that to give it that realism and to make it actually scary rather than just loud noises and and bright lights to to startle you which was very very terrible by the way going from really dark night scenes to all of a sudden just like basically showing us the sun no i'm sorry <laughs> uh, that just hurts that physically is painful uh it was just jarring that was all it meant to, was meant to be is jarring it wasn't meant to be scary right and like I said, it didn't have any weight or value, and that's sucky. Is that a, is that a good movie then? You know, is that really a good time? Did we really watch a horror movie, or did we watch a startling movie, or just a a, a quiet to loud movie? Like, I'm, I'm so startled. So right startled. <laughs> so th- for me, that's pretty disappointing. Where with creation, that was had scary moments, and that one built tension, and this just doesn't build any tension. Yeah. And the Annabelle doll in itself really isn't scary, which is why I think they try to use other stuff surrounding it yeah. to do shit. And it just doesn't doesn't really work. See, I was wondering where this all fit in because I think it's in the first Conjuring, right, where the dog attacks them again. Doesn't Annabelle come out 
So there's and attack the house. So there's a. I think it's a different. Might be a different place. Because they they get the doll at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it goes home, and then they go and investigate the house. Yeah, that's the bulk of the movie, and then they think it's over. So then they go home, and then the doll like attacks the daughter and the grandma, and the chair's like rocking. Yeah, and so I was like, well, like do something if 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 this if came comes home already happened. Maybe you should be taking some more fucking precautions. Yeah. To not let that doll out again. Or yeah. if taking if come home hadn't already happened, then 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 and that scene already happened, then they should have taken precautions from that point. Like either way, it doesn't really make sense with this shared universe because we've already had the doll attack, so it's like fuck obviously you need to do something more. Yeah, like maybe not leave the keys on your desk yeah. when you leave to go on a mission. On a mission. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they're doing. Then the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> that was frustrating because I was like, okay, you guys make it a point that this is a shared universe. Yeah. How many times are you going to let this adult attack your daughter specifically? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really like that aspect of it. I do. I would like to see those characters again, just in a better vehicle. One of the things for me that was a little bit frustrating too is that. We have this girl, Daniela, right? Mm-hmm. And she's basically the whole reason anything gets fucked up. Yeah. And sure, she has a strong motivation why. She wants to see her dad who passed away. But at one point, the doll gets the Warren's daughter mm-hmm. and it begins sucking her soul out. Yeah. And then it stopped, which, you know, is cool. Good job. But then the Warrens come back and are totally cool with Daniela. And she's like, it's okay, honey. And I'm like, dude, she almost got your daughter's soul sucked out by a demon. Like, you can be the most understanding mom in the world, but come on. I mean, I th- like I said, I think that that I think that it's just the level of curiosity. And I think that it does kind of deliver a message as to how this series wants to portray the Warrens. I mean, like Inaccurately. I said. Yeah, like I said, we will get into an episode later where we talk about how how society actually really views them and the things that they've done, the things that they've said, the things that they've like contradicted themselves with. Like there's, there's a bunch of meat on those bones. We will break that down at a later date when we have a little more time. We don't have to try to also put two episodes of stranger things in the episode. (laughs) Uh, That was another thing. Like I said, some of the creature designs were great, but they showed the D like the actual demon that follows around Annabelle again. Which was super shadowy and creepy in creation, but in this movie, it just looked like like uh, Dave Grohl's The Devil from from Tenacious D: The Pick of Destiny, <laughs> only in blue instead. It just didn't look terrifying. Like it was just like I almost laughed out loud when I saw it. I mean, we get up close and personal with it too. Is there anything that we can try to say is redeeming? I guess if you're into jump scares. Then you'll probably like this. Yeah, like I said, some of the creature designs, like the like the ferryman, that I thought that was super cool and it was well done. I loved how it, like the just the dropping of the coins, like it it also allowed for more of the scene to not be like the loud music than no music kind of thing, and that was a re- a reoccurring theme. I kind of liked that a little bit. Uh, like I said, I liked the acting performances. I thought that that. All the characters were properly motivated and did their best with what they were given. Those were, like I said, those were probably the biggest redeeming qualities for me. Uh, I, like I said, I, I wasn't a fan of how it was shot. Like I said, I, or at least how it was edited, because the back and forth between going from complete darkness to right out in the sun, and the way that they filmed it, like I said, it was just, it was almost like the whole entire screen was just bright white, and in a dark theater. That it it's literally painful, right? And and on top of that, for them taking place inside this one area, the different storylines, I guess, between the babysitter and the Warren daughter, and then Daniela, do seem just jointed at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they're in the same fucking house, yeah. And it's not a huge house; and they're not in a mansion. It's a one story. And so I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, yeah. And as as you take, you have these three characters. 
And then somewhere in the middle, they also mix in another dude. Yeah. Like, and now we have to follow his storyline as he's trying to run away from this, like, actual, like, wolf demon thing. <laughs> it's like, fuck, can you, like, you give us a break? Now we have four different storylines we have to follow? Yeah, kill him. Yeah. Kill somebody. Oh, yeah, like I said, they, they totally could have killed him. So this movie was weird to me, too, because it was rated R. Yeah. I don't know why. No blood. There's no blood. The only little bit is on the TV screen, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay. And if you're going to get that rating, then you might as well just fucking go for it at that point. I don't even know if they got the language strong enough. I don't think they used a single F-bomb. Yeah. Weird. Weird rating yeah. on this one. Um, Do we want to rate it then? I think it's pretty clear where we're at on it. I mean, uh, we'll rate it demonic ran- Raggedy Andy's. Demonic Raggedy Andy's? Okay. Honestly, dude, for me, I'm going to just go one. I'll be, I'll be straightforward. I'm going to give it a two. Like I said, it's it's still on that underside, you know, that, that like, I uh, probably would have not liked to have seen it in theaters. Things that the acting performances are good. I would love to see those characters put in a better conjuring vehicle. Maybe have them actually do, like, a real haunted house thing. And, I mean, just kill some characters. Give us some stakes. Like, the, this had no stakes. I mean, not that a horror movie has to have a ton of kind of killing to make it work. But like you were saying, there's, there's no tension even in yeah. this. It's like, all right, whatever. You know what's going to happen. On to the next thing. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to move <laughs> on to the much better thing. Stranger Things 3, episodes 1 and 2. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so this is definitely the 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 dessert course right now. So <laughs> Our cold entree to our to our hot dessert. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's your pizookie. It's <laughs> your monkey bread pizookie. It's happening. I, we've been patiently awaiting. I mean, not necessarily patiently. We've been rewatching all the all the previous episodes and talking about them on this show. So it gives us a little more a little more wiggle room. So I think the biggest thing to note initially going into the season is that the kids are way older. Oh my goodness. Than the end of two. They look like full blown adults, some of them. <laughs> yeah. Everyone except for Will. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's intentional. Yes. Right? And we'll talk about that I think probably a little bit more with episode three. Yeah, I mean it gets a little a little more uh, out in front because i mean they kind of show it a little bit in episodes one and two where he's kind of like hey can we like not be doing all this stupid bs i just want to play D with my friends episode one is Susie, do you copy so this episode is kind of like hey here's what everyone's been doing for the last whatever time frame it's actually supposed to be i know we're moving from i think 83 to 85 so there are a couple of things that are that are big to note uh, obviously, uh, Elle is still living with Hopper, and uh, they have a super like dad and kid relationship, just with a kid that has special powers. And uh, and Hopper looks awful, dude. Oh yeah, he looks like like it's hitting him hard. Like and, season one, he he was he looked fine, right? And then season two, he looked good. Yeah. I was like, okay, that uh, that Hellboy money is making you making you do all right. And then season three, it's like, oh, Hellboy tanked. <laughs> And, oh, yeah. So I'm just going to drink and get bad. Yeah. And, he, I, and I know that that was like a character decision. That was something that he was probably like that he talked with the Duffer brothers about. And they were like, like, yeah, we're going to need you to put on another 50. <laughs> I mean, he looks very sloppy. Bad. Very bad. And he's got this 70s porn stash. Oh, no. And like I said, it, I mean, we'll talk about it in later episodes. It plays. Okay. It totally plays. <laughs> uh, but. I mean, it's also like a sign of the times. There are so many references in this show, as per usual. Uh, some, some of those we won't break into until we get to those episodes. Uh, but right off the bat, this one has some music references, and it also has a reference to a, a movie that we've talked about on the show, Day of the Dead. So the Starcourt Mall is like the big like centerpiece of this whole this whole project, and. The way that they set it up is kind of like it's just like this huge piece of American excess that's just like kind of draining the town in a way. And right, so you got all these new shops opening at Star Court. So Hawkins' small businesses, the mom and pops, are suffering because of that. Yeah. So we cut into Hopper and Eleven and Mike, and Eleven and Mike are doing what what young teens in love do and just uh, smooching. And it's really funny too, because the way that they kiss is just like, yeah. 
and they just keep doing that. <laughs> I was like, all right. Well, it's just it's just how you it's it's how you see like a f- complete fish out of water who knows nothing, and then a nerd who doesn't know anything about any <laughs> like about like anything as far as love goes, like just not knowing what to do. Like that's their version of making out. Like it's 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 cute as hell. Oh, it's adorable. Yeah, and then the that scene where Hopper leans back in the chair to kind of see what's going on, and he's like, Ay! and then she like slams the door. Like it's 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 super cute. And I mean, they're just kissing. Yeah, but uh, I thought it was pretty funny, you know. And I, I think it comes up in in this one a little bit. Will is kind of a kind of a not Will, uh, Mike. Kind of a kind of an asshole. Yeah, and I think that he wasn't in season one, and I think that the whole process of season one and then like losing his his best friend for a year, basically the person who he ended up having like a like a love interest and a romance a romance with, losing that person for a year, it it kind of jaded him, and we're seeing some of the repercussions of that going into his actual teenage years now, and I mean. Hormones are not doing him a ton of favors personality-wise. No, because even in 2, I don't feel like he was an asshole. I feel like he was messed up from losing L and Will to an extent. But he was still like a, someone that could lead the group, yeah. essentially. And strong and ready to get shit done and make stuff happen. And now in this one, you know, he's, he's had time to kind of develop and his stakes aren't as high. And he's not as torn between everything and so he's kind of a dick well yeah i mean he's he's an angsty teen and he's in that like like i said he's in love so he's trying to work all of that out and he's neglecting his friends because of it i mean we get to see that later in on some of the scenes uh but when he when they show when he shows up at star court he because i mean that's something that eleven's obviously not allowed to do because they're still there i mean hopper is a very careful guy he's still going to be worried that like Right, certain things are a little too public. I, I'm not too far, and so I think it's a little bit weird because we don't really know what's going on with that situation. So I don't know if that comes up. Obviously, you do if you mm-hmm. finished it, but like it's super secretive with Elle, even though nobody's apparently looking for her. We don't really know what's going on with anything else, and so I was kind of like, well, just let her go. I mean, like I said, at the end of season two, I mean, he's told by Owens to like to lay low, and. Hopper is very good at laying low. Like, that's that's just what he does. So that's kind of, you know, something that Ella's stuck in the crux of. She's, you know, she doesn't get to go to the mall with all of her friends. She doesn't get to really have any relationship with anybody except for that small group of people that she's, you know, gotten to know now and that know about her. So... And it kind of seems, too, at the beginning that her and Max are just the girlfriends, right? So they don't really have too much of a relationship and then yeah. we get to see that slowly develop and I really like it. Yeah. To I mean, see a different side, not just the boys getting, you know, he's doing boy stuff or whatever, but to see the girls have a friendship and to see Max's character develop a lot more. Cause she's way different. Yes. I mean, and I think that part of that is that she's also growing up now too. We get a lot more of that content in episode two. Uh, that one is titled mall rats and we actually get to see them kind of shopping around um, and that one has kind of like the dual storyline. So um, during episode one, after they go to see uh, Day of the Dead, which during that time frame, Will has like a like a, like a tingle a, that, that he has. He has his <laughs> will tingle um, about uh, the mind flare being back. And he kind of brushes it off as if nothing's happening. But we know different. We get to see. Like whatever that remnant is of the mind flare that was still out and about after Will was exercised, right? But that's not something that's discussed until later. Yeah, but I mean, it's, so we don't really know what's going on at this. Yeah, point. we just see kind of like a smoky thing, and then we see all of like the rats and like stuff headed in that direction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think episode two we start to get the well. So for Joyce. Explosions. They show her losing magnets. magnets, right? The magnetism on magnets all around Hawkins is is dropping. I think that I liked the idea of Day of the Dead mm-hmm. because looking at this zombie idea, I f- 
feel like the season could go in this direction, right? So yes, obviously I don't know you do, but I feel like that could be a motif that comes up throughout. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I feel like the idea of the magnets is a is something else that we're going to see throughout because we have metal, we have magnet, we have attraction, and now we have them not being magnetized anymore. So the attraction's gone, right? Yeah. And that comes up with all the characters. Yes. So we get that between, I think it's the first two, we get the tension between Mike and Eleven, yeah. right? And then their attraction, and now it's falling apart, right? So now we lose that attraction. And then, like, by proxy, we also get similar similar uh, reaction with Max and Lucas. Right. Because, you know, Max is standing up for her homie. I mean, that totally makes sense. <laughs> and then we also have it with Nancy and Jonathan a little bit as well. And yeah. that, that's some something to do with, like, their, their work life. They're working for... I think that doesn't local- come up until 3, though. But like they, some of like the like the back and forth arguing about it is is in right. the earlier parts, and then I and we get, you know, some will they won't they with, with Joyce and Hopper. Yeah, where he's trying real hard, and then I think you know to continue that idea, we get the attraction versus repulsion with Will and the group. Yes, and not only Will in the group but Dustin in the group. So. They, you know, they used to be this tight knit clan of these four boys. Yeah, and now the party. Yeah, the body, and now that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, I don't know how the season goes, but just looking at these first two, that's what comes up. And so when Dustin comes home, yeah, they hang out, and he's really excited, and they're really excited, but then they don't stick around. Everyone kind of goes and does their own thing, yeah. and then Dustin ends up just hanging out with Steve again. Which I was fine with because I really wanted that relationship to continue. Oh, yeah. And th- when they first see each other at Scoops Ahoy, it, I was just like, yes. I love that, like, this time frame that we didn't see just caused them to foster such a, like, a cool dynamic. I loved how, like, this, like, this full-grown adult who's out of high school is hanging out with this high school kid and is, like, his best friend. <laughs> how many kids are you friends with? <laughs> <laughs> and she's great. She's, <clears throat> I think it's Robin. Yes. She's a new addition. And, I've, I've, and so far, I like her. Yeah. We don't get a ton of her in the first two episodes. Well, in the first one, we don't get a ton of her. She just kind of talks shit to Steve, which is hilarious. Yes. But in episode two, right. at, they start trying to decode the Russian message that that they get from Cerebro. And it's got to be an X-Men reference, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 1,000% an X-Men reference. They get more info because of her, and she ends up showing like her value as... like a potential member of the team. And like I really enjoy that character. I felt like she was very intelligent, also very um, well portrayed and made to kind of be like, like a good foil to Steve's personality. And I liked that a lot. I think and a good foil to Nancy too. Yes. Being someone who's a little less like prim and proper mm-hmm. and a little more gritty and like real, which I really liked. Right, and and then they also continue the hinted at relationship between Billy and Nancy's mom. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> which was funny in the in second season. Yeah, but I was not expecting them to continue that, and things start to get pretty hot and heavy. We we've said it on the show. Well, at least you have. Fuck Ted Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so I was like, do it, do it, Nancy's mom. Just go for it. And then and then we get. <laughs> Like, the one redeeming moment in all of Ted Wheeler's piece-of-shit life that you hear him snoring in his chair, as per fucking usual, useless piece-of-shit. But you look over, and he has his youngest kid just curled up in his lap, and she's like, I can't do this. This is my family. I don't even know if that's necessarily redeeming on Ted Wheeler. That daughter could have just climbed up on top of it. Yeah, but I all mean, he did was sleep. But it still it it looks it's cute, cute right? and it's like yeah. like that's like I said, it's the most fatherly thing that he's done in the entire show that we've seen. Yeah, what I do, what I do? my kids don't live here anymore. <laughs> still fucked Ted Wheeler though. No, definitely. And from that though, Billy is on his way to meet her at a hotel, and then he gets upside downed, <laughs> and then. He, we see them pumping 
I don't know. Do we see them pumping? Yeah. So he, into him at the at the beginning of I think it's the beginning of episode two. Right. So then we can see that he's in the upside down, and then he's approached by like a, what appears to be a doppelganger, upside down version of Billy. Yeah. And so it kind of goes in a weird direction from here, which I like. I'm super down for. Like as, it, things don't really start to kind of pick up a full head of steam until you get into episode two. Uh, because, like I said, things start to kind of scramble around at that point. It does feel a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we'll dig into how they try to, like, super glue all those things together and, and the way that that works later into the episodes. But you have this separate Billy storyline kind of seeing into what's going on with the upside down territory stuff. Uh, you know, with him seeing the doppelganger and and you can you can't see any faces or like really make out anything other than shapes of bodies, but the horde of people like behind the doppelganger. So I mean, it zombie makes, looking. Yeah, it definitely has that horde type look to it, and you also have the the Russia storyline. You know, getting uh, all of the information about like the message, getting it decoded, and all that stuff with the scoops ahoy people. Right, and Nancy and Jonathan start investigating this weird rat, and as we've seen, the rats are attracted to whatever's pulling them in. Attracted to whatever's pulling them in from the upside down, Mm -hmm. which at this point we don't know yet. But we do know that they, when they get close, they like pulse and then explode into like weird mush, like or heat. Yeah. Um. So that's that's cool, and I mean the graphics aren't great. But I was fine with it. I didn't care. Yeah. Because, dude, this season looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's very well shot. It's like, man, certain yeah. things in 4K is killer. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we didn't mention in the first season or the first episode of, of three is that the they show the Russians. Mm-hmm. And they are creating some kind of gate opener yeah. to try and get to what we call the upside down. And it's you can see it start creeping out. The machine fails, and... Just pink mists everybody in the room. Yeah, which was gnarly. Yeah. And then the gate closes, and then eventually that gate, it seems like that gate's reopened. We don't actually see the gate open, mm-hmm. but the head scientist is like, we've we've done it. And then, you know, then they send the encoded message, and that's where we get with Dustin and the, at the mall and Starcourt. And then things pick up from there. Obviously, we're not going to get into that at this point, because that's not... In the first two episodes? Yeah, that's not how far the storyline goes. We don't start to get to the repercussions of fully decoding that message and actually figuring out what's going on with it until episode three. Oh, um, I mean, we have the storyline where where Hopper basically, like, corners Mike, takes him home and says, hey, like, you need to quit spending so much time with my teenage daughter. Gives him the old, you know, the old, uh, the old one-two. And so Mike is terrified. So he uh, like tries to like come up with a story to like convince Eleven that it wasn't that what that isn't what happened. That Hopper didn't like tell him something, and that there was like a like oh there was a reason why I couldn't spend time with you today to try to give some of that separation. And so what ends up happening is uh, they separate. So the three boys. Uh, Mike, Lucas, and Will uh, separate, and they start off like they're going to try to play D&D, and uh, they don't end up wanting to do that. Uh, Mike and Lucas end up just talking about the girls, and then Max and Eleven end up splitting off, and they actually sneak out of the house and go to the mall. They take Eleven to the mall, and they kind of actually kind of try to find what kind of style she likes. And like, they have like this little like shopping montage and it's pretty cute. They play the, uh, the song that plays is material girl. <laughs> I was stuck in my head for like two days. <laughs> yeah. And I, and like, and I, I am a material girl. <laughs> like I thought that was cute. No. And it's perfect. And it, and it's like an eighties movie. Yeah. You know? And so the, I think they did it right. And I, I like the idea. And we've talked about it with the first two seasons where L mimics yes. and learns and we get to see her develop outside of the lab and that continues with this especially with her relationship with max and having a like a real female friend right and and i feel like it sometimes feels like Elle's getting her own personality but then other times it feels like l is mimicking max 
to an extent, right? So the whole I I dump your ass thing. Right. So she's even using her same language. And then at another point, you know, she's like, I make my own rules now, which is later on, which was tight. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, well, are you your own person now or are you just imitating somebody else? Mm-hmm. And so I do want to see her develop her own ideals too a little bit. You know how yeah. I want to see LB what she wants to be, mm-hmm. not what anyone else says she can or should be. And obviously I haven't finished it again. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that how that ends up developing. So yeah, so they go they go the girls go shopping and the boys go shopping for like an apology gift. And it was really weird that Mike lied to me, honestly, because mm-hmm. That's their biggest thing, and it's been such a high emphasis for the first two seasons that friends just don't lie. <laughs> I like I like the I like the the questioning, and I love how like she'll skip words or skip syllables, and so she's like, "You lie, you lie," <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it's and it's a L thing to do. Yeah, and we had talked about I think off air whether or not they were going to start calling her Jane. Yeah, and, and that definitely like, didn't that yeah. definitely did not happen. And so I was curious about that. Um, one thing we did predict that Billy was going to be a lot more involved, mm-hmm. especially in upside down stuff. I thought maybe he was going to learn about it and be a bigger part of the crew, but now he's just a monster. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the final storyline that we get, like I said, of all the disjointed storylines that are going on. We have like Joyce and Hopper, will they, won't they thing. And trying and, to figure out and her, and her trying to figure out her magnets. We have Dustin and uh, Steve and Robin, Robin, uh, trying to figure out the Russian coding thing. We have Mike, Lucas, and Will uh, begrudgingly <laughs> trying to find a, <laughs> an apology gift for, for the girls. And we have Max and Elle shopping. And then we have Billy, who has, I think, the most entertaining storyline of this group. Like I said, there are definite moments that I really enjoyed from those other things. But I think he's the meat of these episodes at this point because... I mean, we're seeing kind of what's happening to him. He's uh, the first instance where we're seeing people like like drink chemicals and do weird shit. He likes trying to go through the motions. So, he's is the most Stranger Things thing quote, at that point. Yeah, plot at this point. A lot of it is character building mm-hmm. and setup. Which is important. Right. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. But his is the most, I feel like, plot driven. Yes. And so we see him drink chemicals at the at the at his job as a lifeguard. And then we see kind of him just like, like falling in and out of consciousness, like having like trouble, like moving forward. And then we get to see like the repercussions of his first command from the mind flayer, which is to basically capture this uh, other lifeguard, this female lifeguard and bring her back to the steelworks shop. And so he, Brings her there, ties her up, and is, like, basically taking her down as, like, a sacrifice, it looks like. And he's like, just stay still, be quiet, and this will all be over soon. And then I think that's the end of the episode. He takes off the duct tape, Mm -hmm. and then she gets, like... Oh, yeah, attached. uh, Yeah, face-huggered. <laughs> Essentially, right? Yeah, and and that's another one that I mean I think that we'll bring up a lot more later in, but I'm getting some super aliens vibes from this. So I know when that happened to Will, they were pumping in slugs that eventually became the the demi dogs and the demi gorgons. Yeah, Are, they're not pumping in slugs. It, it's something else. No, this is this is like a full blown. This is more akin to what happens to him in the field. Okay. When, when like, the Mind Slayer actually, like, goes into him. And, yeah, and so it alters him. It alters them. So we were kind of thinking it was going to go for, like, a doppelganger direction, but it ends up being more of, like, a, I guess more of, like, a body snatcher. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's more along those lines, which is, like I said, it's still along the same, like, vein. Right. Because you get, I mean, there's some really cool moments in episode three. And, like I said, this, that's. Episode three, which I'm super stoked to talk about next week, is is where the season really kicked off for me. Like, I loved a lot of the stuff that happened in one and two. And like I said, they're not bad episodes, but three is where things really get interesting. And that's, like I said, I was ready for that. That was when it went from, oh, hey, these cool characters that I like having this kind of cool 80s feel and getting to, like, getting to know them a little bit better. That's all great. But it really became Stranger Things again for me at three. Yeah, and I've heard that from a couple of people that three and four are really what pushed the season forward. And we're like, yeah. shit. <laughs> so, 
even I think when I watched one of them, I, I texted my friend. I was like, shit. That's all I said to him. Yeah. He's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, then I guess we can go ahead and jump into the watch list. Yeah. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. So obviously for that, we're going to say watch three and four of Stranger Things 3. And also, don't know what to call it, uh, Midsummer, Midsommar, whatever the directors are calling it. I'm going to call it Midsummer, bro, so yeah. you do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. uh, go check it out. Um, we're hearing great things. It is a long watch, so be prepared for that. About two and a half, 240. Yeah, so uh, definitely check that out. I believe we both would also highly recommend to go see Spider-Man Far From Home. We might talk about it at some point in time. Uh, but we both enjoyed it. There's so much stuff coming out that there's no way that we're able to cover all of it at this point, yeah. especially with talking about Stranger Things and doing these double-down episodes. But we did see Spider-Man, so if that's something you're interested in, let us know, and then we could probably do a bonus. Yeah, definitely. Where we just shoot that bad boy out for you. And, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing it because yeah. I, I 100% recommend it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, like I said, it was a... A high a high shield affair based on our previous <laughs> scoring metrics, uh, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Same, and don't watch Annabelle uh, come home. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I, I do kind of hope you did if you listened to this far into the episode, but definitely, like I said, it can't it, recommend it. Yeah, can't recommend. It. <laughs> but yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Uh, so. Um, if you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, share, and subscribe. Uh, so that way um, we can find out your feedback and you can uh, catch us anytime we release uh, new content. Um, you can catch us on our socials or talk to us at any of those places. We are a Porson Peak everywhere on the internet. Uh, if you want to send us an email with feedback or questions or anything like that, or even ideas for the show, um, you can hit us up at porsonpeak at gmail.com. If you want any kind of like behind the scenes deals that you wouldn't necessarily get from Instagram, you can get a lot of content from us at uh, porcelainpeak.com. You can check us out on basically anywhere you can get a podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, a little bit on SoundCloud, and obviously PodCoin. Uh, PodCoin is going to be the best place you can listen to us, like I said, because you get paid to listen to it. Don't forget to use Porcelain to get that 300 coins and we're a bonus episode on PodCoin. Yeah, so, so you if you get... listen to our stuff you get more than you would for listening to some other podcasts yeah which is pretty cool so that's a win for us and a win for you we call that yeah. a win-win yep win-win. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys and as always thank you so much for listening keep it strange A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.